Guys, we're going to have a great episode today. Before we get into that, I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for all the support that you get. I want to remind you that you can reach out to me on Instagram. If you don't follow, follow it at jscottoutdoors. Uh, feel free to send me a DM. I love uh, corresponding with you guys about your hunts and any questions that you might have. Uh, we're going to have a great episode. I also want to thank uh, the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, my friend of 20 plus years, he's the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager over there at GoHunt.com at the gear shop. Uh, You can reach out directly uh, for info or for sales at 702-847-8747. You can also email him at optics at GoHunt.com. He also uh, gets texts from uh, my listeners at on his cell phone, 602-399-3699. Feel free to send him a text if you're looking for a certain tripod or binocular or spotting scope or rifle scope, anything to do with optics. Uh, give Cody Nelson a call or a text. I want to thank GoHunt.com also and remind you guys that the GoHunt maps, the mobile app, um, mapping apps, are now available on iTunes and Android. Uh, they have real 3D. Um, it's awesome, awesome 3D mapping on these mobile apps. Uh, you can get a free trial, a seven-day free trial, by going to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. You can also check in the show notes. I'll have it linked up. You get a seven-day free trial. That gives you access to everything in the Insider as well as uh, g- let you look at the, the mapping apps uh, both on the desktop and on your phone. Uh, you can also sign up. Uh, by going to GoHunt.com and just use J. Scott, and that's going to save you $50. Uh, you're actually going to get a GoHunt gift card, $50 GoHunt gift card when you sign up. So go check it out. also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. Go to K-U-I-U-Kuyu.com uh, to order the gear right there that are direct-to-consumer model. Uh, so that's the only place you can get the gear, as well as phonescope.com. Use the jscott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, guys, let's get right to this episode, and again, thanks for listening. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today, I've got John Adams and Kevin Call of High Point Outfitters out of Arizona. Guys, how you doing? Doing good, Kevin. Oh, you want, you want to shoot that one too? Oh, well, Kevin was looking at me. For the listeners that don't know, it took me about three cuts to say High Point Outfitters, even though I've had these guys on about 40 times. Guys, it's great to have you on. We're getting close here to a deadline. Uh, I believe June 14th is our deadline for Arizona deer and sheep, and I wanted to make sure to get you guys on and get your forecast and and get your thoughts on the upcoming season talk a little bit about last season um and so i'm excited to have you on before we get to that uh just checking in everything good with you guys you guys enjoying your summer everything's great jay yeah we're uh flagstaff is greening up of course it's a little dry right now we're anxious to get monsoon season they tell us that it's going to be here a little early got our fingers crossed that that'll happen of course but yeah fantastic uh, weather's uh, warming up uh, the kaibab's looking phenomenal right now so uh, bring it on yeah we're, we're excited to get this draw process over and uh, see who's going to get tra- who's going to get attacked for sure um I, I'm excited as well. Now, now, one of the things I want to touch on 
his last season. Um, from what I understand, uh, awesome monsoon, but the monsoon came late, but it came heavy. Uh, but it didn't really translate into antler growth. Um, talk a little bit about last year, some of the challenges that, that, that last season brought, and then we'll kind of parlay that into um, maybe your forecast because of that season last year, how it's going to look this season. Uh, Jay, uh, good, good question. Maybe, um, you know, as you said, we had, uh, we had fantastic moisture last summer. It was a little late uh, to, you know, to have any antler growth. Actually, it was a little late as well for fawn uh, recruitment. So uh, our fawn recruitment uh, was down again last year. Uh, so we are missing, uh, you know, probably one, two, three-year-old age class because the last three years the fawn recruitment's been poor. Uh, about half uh, is what it ha what it has or should be, uh, and antler growth uh, was certainly below average last year. Uh, but uh, this year we got we had fantastic moisture uh, throughout the summer. We had good winter moisture. We were up there even in May. Still had snow on the north uh, facing slopes. Uh, still even down on the winter range. So. Uh, the the moisture was great this uh, winter. Uh, we're always dry May June, uh, and that's just typical, of course, for Arizona. Uh, but the good thing is we've you know had good good water content throughout the last summer, fall, and winter. So uh, we feel like we'll at least have uh, average uh, antler growth this year, uh, maybe a touch better. But uh, we're looking for a a strong year uh, on the Kaibab. Uh, of course, there is some age class missing, uh, not as many deer uh, on the Kaibab right now because of the poor fawn recruitment the last three years. But we don't really target those bucks until they, you know, hit the four, five, six years anyway. So uh, I think we're going to be fine for the next couple of years. But at some point, there will be a little bit of a gap. So those that are looking uh, to, you know, should they draw this year or wait? Uh, we're all about uh, this is the year to get it done uh, the next couple of years because there will probably be a gap uh, because of the lack of fund recruitment the last three years. But uh, we're, we're strong on the Kaibet this year. Uh, you know, last year, if I could maybe let uh, John talk a little bit, but the early hunt had, uh, we had tons of water everywhere, tons of grass everywhere, uh, uh, feed everywhere so the deer were super spread out uh, we struggled a little bit quite frankly uh, the people that wanted to kill bucks uh, we got it done the first couple days but those that wanted to uh, find that uh, better age class uh, was a little difficult because they were the deer were super spread out uh, obviously the deer were still there because we had a you know we had a great late hunt uh, the rut was just fantastic the does were in excellent shape the bucks were in excellent shape we had a great rut just like the elk hunt the, the elk hunt last year probably had one of the best ruts that we've ever seen uh the deer on the kayak were the same way we had a phenomenal rut on the late hunt so the late hunt was super fun uh the antler growth was a little off but uh, plenty of uh, you know bucks around to choose from, and uh, that's just a super uh, super fun hunt. But the early hunt was a little tough, uh, quite frankly. We've been spoiled. I think the last four or five years has been so dry 
the deer were just pounding the water, concentrated around the water on the early hunt. Uh, last year, that wasn't the case. Uh, they were spread out, and uh, it, it made for a little bit of a challenging uh, early hunt. Going back to last year's hunt, um, across the board, would you say, you know, normally where you might be looking for a couple of bucks over that 200-inch mark, was it very hard to find anything over 200 and, you know, your better bucks last year were, you know, mid-80s type bucks? Or what, what kind of difference was last year compared to, say, you know, maybe 19, that was a really good year? Um, just talk a little bit about the high-end bucks last year compared to normal. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was uh, it was a little harder to find, you know, four or five, six, seven, you know, two hundred inch type bucks. And usually, sometimes we can do that, Jay. But I mean, there was a two fifty buck that got taken with the governor's tag last year on the tie dab that we found. I mean, phenomenal buck. Um, and but after that, it fell off. And I mean, you know, it. There was a lot of 180 type bucks, 160 type bucks, um, but to get into that 190 plus type range, 200 was a grind. I mean, um, and it was it was just because they were so spread out, and you know the antler growth was down a little bit. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't it was not where it should be. And and this year, you know, I think with the age class being there. And, you know, the Kaibab looking like it is currently right now, I don't see why we would not have better age class than we did last year. Okay. Um, what about tag numbers on that west side? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the tag numbers have been decreased, which should make for a phenomenal late hunt for sure, right? Yeah, you, you know Kevin is a numbers guy, so so I'll let Kevin go over these numbers. He's got these down. You know, Jay, we're, we are excited uh, because of the lack of recruitment. Uh, they have reduced the tags. Uh, they went from seventy-five to fifty on the late uh, West twelve uh, A West, and they've done pretty much the same throughout all the units. But so let's just use twelve A West late thirty-three uh, percent reduction. On the early hunt, uh, they've got a 20% reduction, and that was uh, similar to what they've done. I mean, Jay, it's it's phenomenal that uh, just four years ago, we were at 100 tags on the early hunt. We are now at 50, uh, and we had 500 on the early hunt, rifle hunt, we're at 300, so almost cut in half. They did the same on the archery hunt, again, almost in half from where we were at the peak five years ago. Uh, they killed the doe hunt. Uh, we were over 500 tags on the doe hunt five years ago. They went down to 25 just to kind of keep the hunt in place so they wouldn't have to try to get that hunt back in place. So they almost killed the doe hunt this year completely. So net-net, uh, we're probably uh, saving... 250 maybe 300 deer off of all those hunts that we were harvesting uh, five years ago uh game of fish have told me that they that we harvested more deer uh in uh, uh 19 and 18 than they have tags this year so uh, a great reduction uh which you know we're we're all for uh the good thing is with that tag reduction if they'll keep it for a couple years 
the deer can rebound quickly on the Kaibab. Uh, I will be shocked if we don't see a lot of uh, does uh, with twins this year, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be quick to rebound. Uh, we will have a strong comeback uh, in uh, try to rebound for those uh, lack of, uh, you know, two, three-year-old bucks that we uh, will be missing this year. Uh, but we're, we're uh, it, it's good to see that they were proactive in reducing the tags. You know, that, and as you know, Jay, that's throughout the Southwest. I mean, Nevada has devastated you know reduce their tags the strip reduced tags uh, southern utah reduced tags i mean everybody's reducing uh, mule deer tags which is uh, unfortunate on one hand but it will make the hunt phenomenal for those that uh, actually can get a tag yeah for sure as from a quality of, of hunt standpoint on the west side from going from 100 now down to 50 Talk about how much better that hunt from just an enjoyment standpoint will be with, with you know, half the amount of people than that 100 that they used to have. And I believe it used to be 150 or 175 even years ago on the late. Yeah, yeah, Jay, I mean, back in the day in the 80s, there was 500 tags on that hunt. So, but, but yeah, I mean, 50 tags, I mean, there's, there is so much country to hunt, so many bucks to hunt. Uh, even with the 100 tags, we don't run into people. So with 50 tags, it's, you know, it's fantastic. Last year we had 75 tags. Uh, we were not competing heavily with, uh, you know, with a lot of hunters. Uh, we did have uh, one uh one altercation but yeah i mean that's just a part of uh you know hunting the best bucks in the unit uh and finding uh you know especially with trail cameras that are gone now people with trail cameras uh sometimes we have some overlap but without trail cameras uh with half the tags uh we will have the place to ourselves uh and it will be a phenomenal hunt on that late hunt you bring up trail cameras what impact do you think pulling the cameras away what impact do you think not only this season but in seasons to come what kind of impact not you know from all aspects what kind of impact do you think that will have i i i think it's a positive impact for the deer and for hunters i mean across the board i mean um the only negative impact um that i've heard is you know people not being able to get out there with their kids early or something and check pictures, but um, they can still get out and look at, you know, animals through the binos with their kids, you know? Um, but as far as the deer, um, you're going to have way less, um, you know, spats around water holes with people hunting the same exact deer that have never seen the deer. They've just seen it on a picture. Um, and, as far as the age class, you're, you're going to be able to hunt a deer that not everybody knows about. And you're not going to be able to know that deer scores 210 to 215 because you've only got a glimpse of them. Or maybe it might be the first time you got to see that deer. So that, I, I think it's taken it back to where it used to be, you know, the unknown going into the woods so i mean jay there is no doubt that that trail cameras uh, were, uh 
were a good source of information, not only for us, but a lot of other folks. And uh, we use that information and have used that information for the last you know, 10, 12 years we've been running cameras. And that, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, that information is gone. Uh, but I, I think it will definitely uh, improve the age class uh, on the Kaibab. I'm excited, you know, to get four or five years down the road and see how that age class changes. But uh, it will definitely affect uh, the harvest uh, of bucks. I mean, if you take any information away, it's gotta it, it's gotta change things, and it will change things. I mean, Joe, like take for instance, uh, there was a guy running no trail cameras. He was sitting in this water hole. Um, and it was a dry year, it was like two years ago. There was not one buck that had hit that tank in like two months, right? I mean, I'm literally not a spike, not a two point, not nothing had hit that water hole. There was does and fawns annihilating that pond. And that guy sat there for two days waiting for a buck to show up. And, and like, you know, without trail cameras, you know, you would have maybe check tracks and you know kind of went through it and stuff but um you know now now we will know like like you know you just have to go off of like past experience of what you've already known what you've learned and stuff like that you know it's going back to to boots on the ground and um you know going back to what you've known and and what you can rely on and sure and some of those people that have never been to the kaibab don't know the migration routes don't know um kind of the paths of you know the deer and stuff you know that that's something that they're not going to be able to pick up on in two years it's going to take a long time for them to figure that out yeah i mean it makes perfect sense um i want to ask you guys about the impact of those fires and how it um, affected, say, some of the 12B hunts, and did it hold up some of those deer um, where they didn't pile off there? Did they hold up in those burns, or did they go ahead and pile off like normal? I'm just curious if those burns affected the, the uh, transition, um, the migration, and, and, you know, in and out of those transition zones, or if they stayed high for longer. Uh, they, they, like in the past, they would kind of hold up in that middle ground kind of where the fire went through for you know a couple weeks maybe but now they're going right through it like you can watch a deer go right from the stop at the top of the burn all the way through in one day i mean i watched one buck go all the way from the top all the way down to the bottom to the winter range in like less than an hour do you I think mean, that will change with as that feed matures in that burn or do you think they'll still just skate right through it I think they will. It will change, obviously, but there's there's very little cover um, in that in that area. It's starting to somewhat starting to green up where there's a little bit of vegetation. Wherever they there was vegetation um, or on the edge of the burn, that's where the deer would hang up, kind of bed and stuff. But if they got in that moonscape burn they were gone i mean they they moved right through it quick you know jay, jay the the mangum fire wasn't as a productive fire as the warren fire was uh, 20 years ago uh, that mangum fire of course started in mangum canyon and then ran right along that uh uh, steep slope, all the uh, draws and canyons from Warren Creek all, all the way up to uh, Utah border. That that 
part of the Kaibab is so steep that it where it really burned heavy. Of course, last year was the first year we got water on it. We got rain on it. Uh, the monsoons were so uh, uh, compacted in you know a couple hours a day kind of a thing that it ran water everywhere, washed out roads, tore up a lot of stuff. It wasn't the the rain wasn't overly productive because it wasn't. Uh, you know, slow, if you will. So we, we did see some growth, uh, but uh, the major portion of that fire was in such steep country uh, that uh, it really hasn't uh, had an opportunity to, you know, to generate some growth, certainly uh, around the edges and some on top and, you know, a few places. But the majority of the burn uh, is still moonscape. Uh, and so not overly productive, certainly not as productive as the Warren fire uh, has been over the years. Okay, that's good information. Um, one last question for you guys. Uh, when you compare the west side to east side, um, is the east side, you know, still the, the redheaded stepchild, if you will, of the two? Yeah, Jay, we... Um, the thing about the east side, and, and it, it, it's a little uh, worrisome for people that, you know, have waited for, like the late hunt, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, the, sometimes the deer don't move off down the winter range that make it uh, an easy, fun hunt, uh, you know, out in the winter range. Uh, they'll, they'll hold up, and if you don't have weather, uh, they just don't push off uh, good. Uh, whereas on the west side, uh, whether it's top or bottom, uh, there's uh, a lot of country that's huntable, uh, and we can you, know, you can find those bucks. Uh, so, and and there's uh, just a lot more deer on the west side. I'm not sure uh, what's happened on the east side, but there's certainly not as many deer on the east side down the winter range than there has been. Uh, even just you know ten years ago, uh, the I think the uh, it, it's, it's, we we've not had a lot of good winters uh, during the hunt uh, the last five or six years. So maybe the deer just have not moved off as they have traditionally. Maybe it's winter rather than the migration. But uh, a lot of deer are staying in the park. Uh, a lot of deer are not moving off in the winter range for for whatever reason. But uh, and there's just not the deer numbers uh, on the east as there is the west. We've hunted the west, and we will hunt the west on the late hunt and early hunts. Uh, in fact, we preferred the uh, east side early hunt uh, when the warm fire was about three or four years old. Uh, but uh, that's uh, there's just no water on the east side compared to the west side in the burn, uh, and so there's a lot more deer on the west side uh, up high on the early hunts uh, than there is on the east hunt, and then uh, and then on the late hunt there's just no real advantage of hunting the east side uh, other than fewer tag numbers, but there's just fewer deer, and uh, we just preferred the west side. Makes sense. Um Guys, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for giving us your forecast and outlook here for the Kaibab. I want to give you guys a chance to let the listeners know how they can reach out to you. Also, if you have any concluding thoughts, uh, uh, go for it. And um, I just appreciate you guys coming on. And John, I appreciate the phone call. What, what, one thing uh, that uh, I do want to point out, man, our lion density is high on the Kaibab. Um, and, and talking to 
uh, a lot, we we uh, don't hunt lion uh, that often up there, but the the guys that do, they're harvesting the toms. But man, there are so many female lions uh, that are not getting harvested. Hunters that uh, book outfitters don't want to kill uh, a female, and our female population, lion population, is off the charts. So we do need some help. Anybody that wants to kill a lion. Uh, give us a holler and uh, let's go kill some lions because that could certainly help uh, help the kaibab. Uh, but uh, the be the best way to catch us uh, is uh, on our website. Um, Highpointoutfitters.net is the best place uh, to to reach us uh, and uh, to. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, my Instagram handle. Actually, John is the one to follow because he does more posts than I do, but I'm HPO uh, underscore Kevin underscore call. Uh, John is AZ underscore Hunter. Uh, and uh, anyway, that's us on Instagram uh, or out on our website. All of our phone numbers are out there, more information about us. Uh, last year's pictures, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, our website is the best way to catch us, and you can do an email right off that, uh, right off that website as well. So, if anybody needs help before the 14th, trying to decide what you're going to do or how you're going to burn your 25 points, uh, give us a holler, shoot us an email. What else, John? That's it. Appreciate it, Jay. Awesome, guys. Thanks for everything. God bless. Have a good summer, and um, we'll be chatting at you probably around elk season. So take care, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Jay. All right. Bye.